By definition, the word failure means a lack of success. But is that really always the case? Transforming how we provide healthcare, that's what's exciting. I think we know that overall, it's broken, right? That there's definitely ways that we can improve it from a patient experience perspective, for our clinicians, for our families. So if we can do that even through one new care model or one new technology, that's what's exciting. That's Kelly George, Vice President of Performance Improvement at OSF Healthcare, and I'm Shelley Dankoff, your host of Health Accelerated. On this episode of Health Accelerated, it's anything but a fear of failure. Joining me to talk about failure in healthcare and why that actually is a good thing are Kelly George, Vice President of Performance Improvement for OSF Healthcare, and Devin Kelly, Manager of Performance Improvement at OSF. Thank you both for being with me today. Thank you. We are just turning the calendar on a new year. You know, hopes, dreams, aspirations, things you're looking forward to in the new year optimism, all of that stuff. So it may seem odd to start our first episode of the year off by talking about failure and why failure can be a good thing, especially when it comes to driving understanding and change. So that's kind of where our conversation will be today. So it should be fascinating. But before we get to that, let's talk about what it means to be involved in performance improvement. What is it you do on a daily basis? Well, I can start us off. Uh, performance improvement really looks at some of the strategic initiatives we have across our ministry. So we work very closely with a lot of our executives as well as our leaders and mission partners to work on those large strategy work efforts. That's part of the work that we do and really across the ministry and within our regions. We also look at a lot of our technology work. So thinking about bringing forward new technologies to the ministry, working with mission partners to test those and see how they might really support those mission partners in the work that they do. So those are just some of the work efforts um, that really are part of the performance improvement work. Yeah, because when you have 24,000 plus mission partners, getting everybody in sync can be sometimes a bit of a challenge, can't mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Okay, so we often use the statement, fail fast, but that's much easier said than done or tolerated, I guess. <laughs> you know, I think that's probably the way to put it. No one wants to look at their work and say, oh, that was a failure. I did. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants everything to be a success, but in reality, that just cannot happen. So we're conditioned and taught that failure is bad. We need to be able to look at it in a different way. So tell me how you are working to do that, that failure isn't always a bad thing. I think we really work with our mission partners to try to understand when you bring a solution forward, specifically within innovation, if you think about technologies and you think about new care models, they're not always going to be successful when they're brand new. You know, within innovation and performance improvement, we're really trying new things each and every day. So we can't expect everything to be a success, right? I think the most important thing, though, that we've seen is really taking away the learnings from those, those failures, so to speak. And if we can take away maybe what we could do different next time, or do we need to try a different environment or pilot something in a different way? That's the most important thing is really taking that learning and taking that forward. And I think that's the, the most fun part about the work, really when we're piloting that new technology, because we're working with those early stage startup companies. And many times we're the first 
place that they are piloting their technology. So what's fun is we're helping them learn, but then we're also learning ourselves. So we've had pilots that have happened and we end up not implementing those solutions, but we're still helping those companies continue to iterate and improve on their technologies so they can um, get them implemented somewhere in healthcare, or they can come back to us down the road because of the learnings that have taken place and we are able to implement now. Just as Devin was saying, and I think what we've seen too is we may take a technology and pilot it in a certain part of the organization. And what we find is maybe from a change management perspective, it wasn't the best place to start or based on some things going on in the environment or throughout the organization that the solution isn't ready right now for that space. So then we have the opportunity to take a step back and say, okay, is it is it the solution? Is it the environment? Where might we take this and pilot this that it can be successful? Yeah, because some of our ideas, they may not come from outside companies. We always encourage our mission partners, especially those you know caregivers who are at the bedside. Mm-hmm. They see something that's not working for them, and they want to come up with an idea on how to fix it. I imagine that process could take quite a period of time from the idea to even getting into, all right, well, here's might be how it works. So walk me through that process. If somebody says, hey, here's an issue that we're having, how long can that process potentially take? I think it depends, right? It does depend. (laughs) And it depends if they're really saying, okay, I've identified a gap and that's something we want to work on with performance improvement or... I have this great idea and something that I think we can work with the broader innovation team to take it forward and maybe even commercialize it. So I guess from a performance improvement mm-hmm. perspective, you know, it's when we hear from those mission partners and those leaders, it gives us the opportunity to really dive in and have a conversation with them. What are you experiencing? What is the data telling us? What have you tried already? Right? So it's it's really an iterative process to get to the point of Is this something that you're going to work on on maybe on your own from a continuous improvement perspective? Does it really need to be a larger work effort because it's going to require performance improvement and innovation and various mission partners? So we really work closely with the leaders and the mission partners and really dive into the data to understand, you know, kind of the what's possible and what what they're really trying to solve. You alluded to this a little bit earlier, too. We have different size hospitals within our ministry. Mm -hmm. So you have the, you know, the 649-bed OSF St. Francis Medical Center, the you know, level one trauma, tertiary, gets everything going on in it. But then you have the 25-bed critical access hospitals. So what works in each location may not be the same thing. And so I imagine you get some of those ones that come out of maybe some of our smaller, more rural. We all know the challenges facing rural health care. Do you ever catch yourself going, wow, that's a great idea. Okay, or I hadn't thought about that. Does that happen? Uh, That happens all the time, and we do have innovation hubs out in our smaller critical access Mm -hmm. hospitals, and it's amazing the ideas that come out out of those areas. And I think mission partners sometimes are even more engaged in those settings because maybe we don't look at them as often, or they think that we're only looking at the larger medical centers. And so they can feel neglected sometimes, and and they have ideas that um, really come forward and, and work very well for them. And I think an important thing there, too, is then how are we learning from one another, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's a small hospital, a medium-sized hospital, or a large hospital, what have they done that we can then potentially learn? And I think we talk a lot of times about maybe the what is the same, but the how looks different. Because we know the 
the resources and the processes may look different across sizes of hospitals, but the actual what can be, you know, that can be similar, but the how maybe looks different. And just as Devin mentioned, the hubs, you know, we've really seen some great engagement from our leaders and our mission partners in these innovation hubs coming up with these great ideas. And I think we really have the opportunity to share some of that Definitely. back with the broader innovation team, as well as some of the other hospitals. I think one of the other neat component is everything doesn't have to come into the Jump Trading Simulation and Education Center. That's a great hands-on learning space mm -hmm. for the training, but you do the insight too, and you can mm -hmm. take it to them. So if you want to explain what that is like, because great ideas come up, you, you solve for something, but it's a little challenging to get our mission partners in Escanaba down here to train on things. So walk through the process of what it's like to take the training to them as well. So I think within these innovation hubs, right, it really gives us the opportunity then to work closely with those mission partners, whether we're able to bring ideas or concepts from innovation to those teams or whether those teams are really sharing some of the great ideas that, that they have and bringing those forward. So I would say it's really working collaboratively with the mission partners and the leaders and really across then the innovation hubs and the hospitals. Do you have some specific examples? I mean, I know your day-to-day, week-to-week is just there's multiple projects going on, but are there some examples, either the big wins or maybe the big fails that they had to come back more than one time? I think the pilot we did for fall prevention. Um, so we started out um, because the technology was so new. It had not been done in acute care before. So we were able to utilize our jump simulation space, have the technology installed in one of the, the virtual patient care rooms. Um, did a lot of simulation amongst our team, and then eventually brought the clinicians from St. Joe's Medical Center over so they could experience the technology kind of in a safe space and give feedback. So we had various scenarios to allow them to experience what it's like for when a patient gets out of bed, how does this technology trigger an alarm to their phones that they carry? And so that was a great learning opportunity. And then once the technology was installed, um, they did some uh, behind the scenes piloting. Um, we had it uh, silent for a while so the technology could learn. And then once it was turned on, they did some simulation there as well before it went completely live. And with that pilot, we found that we were constantly changing because the technology was triggering too often and becoming more of a nuisance to the care team. So it was really that dialogue back and forth with the care team um, where we huddled on a daily basis. How's it going? What are you experiencing? And then ultimately making the decision to turn off the technology for a period of time because it was over alarming and causing that alarm fatigue, which was the exact opposite of what we were wanting to happen. And so we really took that time to kind of learn, um, give the, the company feedback on what was working and what was not. They took all of that information back to their lab and they continued to work on the technology. Several months later, brought it back to us and let us pilot it again and continue to give feedback. And has that been implemented? It has not been implemented. Okay, so we're still working through it. We're still working mm -hmm. through it. Um, we ultimately made the decision to stop. That's part of failure, right? You learn what's working and what's not. Um, we learned a lot about our organization. We learned a lot about the culture. We learned some of the things that were happening behind the scenes that made it difficult for um, 
not only patients, but the care team as well. And so it's really about listening and learning and being okay when something doesn't work and being okay to say, we need to stop this. And I think it's also that culture, right, of of learning from that failure. Because this specific work, we have a lot of support from our executive leader on, okay, so it didn't work in this space. That doesn't mean it's still not a solution for the organization. So now doing some conversation and regrouping to say, where might this be a better fit? Because we see such value in the technology and we did see, I think, some real wins throughout the pilot, but it's finding that right space for the solution. Absolutely. Any other stories to share? You know, we had another um, pilot that, you know, Devin had some involvement in and was really a transportation solution. And we worked with that company, you know, they had been very successful, I would say, in the urban space, but didn't have as much experience in the in the rural space. And we worked with them to really develop their solution and really focus on how was it going to work in the rural areas. And we never got to the point where we were really utilizing it on a regular basis. And it just it just never felt like the right fit for our organization. So again, we made that decision. We're not going to continue to move forward with that pilot, but we felt like there was still an opportunity for transportation. So now the performance improvement and innovation team, as well as our mission partners within rehab, have really collaborated and worked together to come up with a totally different solution for transportation. And I would say a much more homegrown solution. And we have really started to see a lot of success um, and know now that we're going to have to really grow that program and determine how does that work across our entire organization. Because as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. we started with a small pilot and really worked with a very specific area and now recognize that there's opportunity across our entire ministry. Yeah. And if you're transporting patients, again, some of our areas are a distance from where they need to go. And I I can imagine, but it's such a necessary and needed component. If we're going to talk about the social influences on your health, right. being able to get to that appointment, being able to be seen by a provider, it's huge. And so what a great solve eventually. Yeah. And I think in some cases, you know, some people would have said like, okay, it didn't work. We're going to move on and try the next thing. But recognizing, yeah, that was a failure. There are a lot of lessons learned from that, right? That Maybe this company really was more successful in the urban space. It wasn't necessarily going to be successful in the rural space. And what did we we really need as a ministry? Yeah, I think that it helped us to, um, as we're working with companies now for future pilots, Mm -hmm. really understanding just their operational definitions too. So we think Peoria, right? It's a city. We feel it's urban. But it's not. It was still considered very rural to this company, which really they were working with rideshares, so your Ubers, your Lyfts, um, and that's where they were successful in those larger metropolitan areas. And we just don't have that rideshare. We have some, but not to the extent. And we just didn't understand that we were talking the same language. And so that was a big lesson learned, I think, is really understanding what their technology is intended to do and what the markets have been successful in. That conversation must have been interesting from their their perspective too, Mm -hmm. because again, they're thinking the same thing. And so did they listen as well and take the feedback openly? I think to some degree, Mm -hmm. but um, they weren't willing to really help us explore further. This was their model and that's what they wanted to utilize. And we had to make the decision that we really needed somebody to partner with us 
and they were not going to be willing to partner in that situation. And they didn't need to because there's enough larger metropolitan areas out there that they are going to be successful in. So this just ended up not being a solution for us. Um, but it allowed us to really go back to the drawing board and better understand, okay, what is happening out there with transportation? And reaching out, um, can you think outside the box? You know, are there other things that we can tap into? And so I think we've come, you know, we're now partnering with a local provider. Um, they were interested in growing their business, not just doing ambulance transport, but how could they do some of that non-emergent medical transporting? And so it was really being able to connect with them at the right time, help them grow um, while helping to solve one of our transportation challenges. And just within the first two months mm -hmm. of that pilot, we've done over 200 rides to our outpatient rehab facilities. Wow. With our previous pilot, we completed one ride. So big and difference. That's a huge and win for yes, where I'm sitting. Huge <laughs> win. And, and you know, when you hear of failure drives innovation, I think that's very true, right? So the failure of the initial pilot then really drove us to, as Devin said, think totally outside the box, think very differently about how we were approaching transportation. Maybe it wasn't going to be a specific technology startup company who was going to solve this, but took a totally different approach and really now have a different model for, for transportation for our patients. That must have been exciting when that happened from you, for you personally. You had to walk away and go, yes! <laughs> I mean, do you get those moments? Absolutely. Absolutely. It is. With transportation, it was a huge, um, it, it was just very exciting, especially after the first week of that pilot. And we've gotten great feedback from the patients. We are getting great feedback from our rehab staff because they really feel good about the patients getting to their appointments. And it, that is really a win, I think, for, for our team, for our patients, for the rehab you know, team, but I think sometimes, too, our, our team going through some of this, and I know we want to fail fast, and, and we can learn, but it, it's still hard, right? So then being able to see how some of the work they've done, albeit foundational, has really driven some of this success has just, right. it's been great. Let's continue that part of the conversation, because we have safe training spaces. When mm -hmm. you're doing, you know, pilots, and you, 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 know, you do the, the um, simulations, mm -hmm. it's a safe space, it's still got to be tough conversations right. when you go in and say, oops, it didn't work. Your great idea, eh, not so much. So talk to me about what that is like, having those conversations in the safe space and yet encouraging mission partners and others to still keep the process rolling. What is that like? You know, we've had a lot of conversation around that within our division. Um, when we do have a failure, how do we how do we really bring that to the rest of the division? And sometimes that's hard to start that conversation. But every time we have those conversations, you can see other people like, okay, yes, yes, I've had that too. Or, okay, now that helps me to understand my current work that I'm doing. Or just as Devin mentioned, it gives us a different lens than to look through maybe future pilots or future work as we think about new models and bringing something really new that yes, it may fail, and that's okay. Everyone survived through this failure, but what did I learn from that, and, and how do I really take that forward into my work? And I think we've really tried to mm -hmm. you know, bring our division together around some of that and have some of those conversations, and, and people are asking for it too. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's gotten easier within our division. I think it's still hard, though, when you're going out 
and getting others comfortable. Um, everybody still wants to know all the answers. And so I find that you just have to have the same conversation over and over and over again until people are comfortable. Um, we just had a pilot go live yesterday mm -hmm. and through the pilot planning process, um, all kinds of questions would come up. Well, what kind of data are we gonna get? Who's gonna do this with the reports? Uh, just a lot of questions that we don't have answers to. And it's getting them comfortable with, we're gonna pilot this. We don't know what's gonna happen. It could work, it could fail, but we're gonna go live and see what happens. Now we don't wanna go live with something that could potentially jeopardize patient safety. So there are limits. Um, but for the most part, the things that we pilot are not going to jeopardize patient care. Um, it might make a clunky workflow for our clinicians, and we want that feedback. Um, so it, you just have to continually talk to the leaders, the frontline staff, and get them comfortable with not being in full control and not totally understanding what might happen out of the pilot. And not being perfect. And not being right. perfect and right. being comfortable to give feedback, honest feedback, because sometimes people are reluctant to give you honest feedback. They want to, they don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't want to hurt the company's feelings, but we really have to get that honest feedback because that's the only way we're going to be able to iterate and make those changes. You know, and I think through that too, just as, as Devin was saying, you know, we do our best to, to do a lot of that planning up front. And that's where a lot of the rigor from a performance improvement perspective comes into play. I think often when people hear innovation, they think, okay, oh, yep, we're just going to brainstorm these ideas and move forward. And it really does take a lot of the same rigor that we're using for performance improvement, right? We need to understand the problem. Is What problem are we trying to solve here? What is the data telling us? And then Who's going to be impacted? Who are the mission partners? Who are the clinicians? What does that look like? How are we laying out that plan and bringing in those mission partners to really understand this is what the technology is and letting them touch it, see it, feel it in that simulation space before it even hits their unit, but really laying out that rigor in the metrics. What are we going to learn from this? What are, what are we going to measure out of this? How do we define success for implementation and spread? So it really even though we want to fail and we want to learn, it's important to lay out some of the rigor and use some of those components to, you know, prop us up for success and, you know, really support our mission partners too. I imagine patience is a word you use often because <laughs> <laughs> yes. everybody wants, they want the magic pill, they want it fixed, they want mm -hmm. it done. And with what you do, that's not the case. Like you said, the one was a two year to find out it wasn't going to work. That's two years. Correct. That's a lot. So bottom line, why should patients care about failure in healthcare? Why is this a good thing for them? If we want to continue to transform healthcare, there's going to be failure. You know, we have to be open to taking risk, right? Again, as Devin said, ensuring that there's no risk to the patient, Correct. right? Yeah. But how do we really think about doing something very different, coming up with new care models, maybe bringing in new technology. If we really want to transform healthcare and think about the future, we're going to have to be willing to do that, which then for the patient, they're seeing then the impacts and the benefits of hopefully better quality care, better patient experience um, overall. 
Yeah, it helps to improve the safety of the care that we Mm -hmm. deliver to them and gives them greater access to care. So when we do think about our rural healthcare settings, there's many in those rural areas that don't feel like they've got great access to care. They have to travel a long distance to it. So being innovative, how do we bring that healthcare to them where they're at? Um, so I think that's you know very important that we have to make sure that we are providing care to the patient where they are and not having them always having to come to us. So I think it's safe to say the expression, well, that's the way it's always been done, does not enter into yours. Well, your vocabulary, <laughs> rarely. <laughs> Correct. Okay, before we finish up here, I'm going to ask each of you, what excites you most about the work you are doing on a daily basis in this failure-directed, in a way, mm-hmm. uh, approach to, the, to what we are doing? What excites you most? I think if we can <clears throat> impact the mission partners, the clinicians across our organization, if we can make their job easier, allow them to provide better, higher quality care in a timely manner, that's what's exciting. As well as transforming how we provide healthcare. I think we know that overall it's broken, right? That there's definitely ways that we can improve it from a patient experience perspective, for our clinicians, for our families. So if we can do that even through one new care model or one new technology, that's what's exciting. Yeah, and I would have to agree with Kelly. That's one of the things I find most exciting as well. And coming from a clinical background, now having the opportunity to be on the other side and really listen to clinicians, listen to the frontline staff, see what their problems are. How can we help make things better? How do we help them feel good about the care that they're delivering? Because we know that there's a shortage of healthcare workers out there and they're working very hard. So how can we help them do more with less? And a lot of that's gonna come through being innovative and bringing in new technologies, but not just all about technology, it's about just being innovative in general. How can we eliminate some of the the waste that's in the day-to-day processes? How can we make it easier for them to document the care that's being delivered? And then for our patients, when I think about you know my parents or um, my family, I want to feel good about them coming into the healthcare environment, knowing that they're going to get safe, quality care. So I like being a part of that. I think, too, knowing how difficult it can be to recruit and retain some of our mission partners. There's so many options and opportunities for our mission partners today. So if we can also, you know, bring different automation, right, to make jobs easier, potentially, or then upskill some of our mission partners and allow them to do things that they never had the opportunity to do before. I think that's really exciting and and really a necessary part of how we approach this work. Kelly George, Devin Kelly, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll look forward to what lies ahead in 2024. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Health Accelerated brought to you by OSF Healthcare. Listen and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can also find links to any of our episodes at osfinnovation.org slash healthaccelerated.